Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane, a mother of three, living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. As parents and teachers, one of the most beneficial things we can do is to allow our children to play outside for hours on end. The concept is simple. The execution is harder, but the impact is tremendous. Join me today for a conversation with founder of the global movement, 1000 Hours Outside, Jenny Urich. Jenny joined me back on episode 184 to discuss quick tips for getting outside, and today she is here to share all about the benefits of getting into nature, the impacts on physical and emotional well-being, where to start, plus a whole lot more. But before we get to the conversation, as always, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. Thank you to everyone who's left a positive review in the last week. It really means so much to me, and I do appreciate you taking the time to do so. It doesn't take very much time, maybe 30 seconds. If you just scroll down to the bottom of iTunes, you will see at the bottom it says rating and reviews. You tap to rate and submit it. So if you haven't done this yet, what are you waiting for? Again, it only takes 30 seconds. I truly do appreciate your time. As for my minimalist resource this week, I have another great resource for you that was sent in from Lindsay on Instagram. She told me to recommend TerraCycle. So TerraCycle is an innovative recycling company, and it says they've become a global leader in recycling hard-to-recycle materials. So when I did a little search earlier this afternoon, I saw that they are currently recycling Taco Bell sauce packets, VTech and LeapFrog toys. Those are the most popular, it says right now. And then Recycle at Home, it talks about Gillette Recycling Program, Gerber Free Recycling, just really a wide variety of items that I didn't, I can't recycle here in Columbus. At least I don't think so. I need to get someone on the podcast that can share about that. But just a wide variety of items they can recycle that they're using for innovation and recyclable content. So very cool website. I really thank you to Lindsay for sharing this with me. And like I said last time, definitely share your resources with me, whether it's a great book that you think would benefit this community. I'll continue to share my own resources and my own minimalist moments with you. But as minimalist moms, I really do feel like this is a community where we can learn from one another. And that's why I bring guests of all sorts on the show to share what has been working in their life, what may work for you. So keep sending those messages my way. All right, well, I'm excited for you to hear this conversation with Jenny Urich. I will tell you behind the scenes, Jenny is as warm and kind as she seems through this podcast. I was really struggling with my kiddos this day. I didn't end up having a babysitter for our recording time together. So we were trying to navigate our conversation while also juggling some backyard playtime. So Jenny was just incredibly gracious. And just really lovely to talk with for a second time. So if you haven't checked out that previous episode, that's episode 184, I'll be sure to link it in the show notes for you, but you can check it out on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you were listening to this podcast. So without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Jenny Urich. Jenny, thanks so much for joining me again on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Ah, I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk to you about your new book. But before we get there, remind listeners of who you are and what it is that you do. Sure. So my name is Ginny Urich. Uh, we live just north of you in Michigan. Um, we have five kids that range in age from 
13 to 5, and these are easier years than when they were a lot younger. Even just when we recorded just a bit ago, you know, just having the kids come in and they need mom, you forget. I mean, it is, it's, it's hard when they're real little. So um, I'm the founder of a global movement. It's called 1,000 Hours Outside that has the aim of balancing out nature time and screen time in childhood and really even through adults. We just, through adulthood, we just got an email from a, from a woman recently who's 71, you know, and she's doing it alongside of her daughters and, and her grandkids. And so uh, nature does so much for all of us, but in particularly for children, when they're in this stage of vast development, Mm -hmm. it's helping their cognition when they're playing outside and it's helping their brains work faster and and compute faster and that type of thing. And outside time is helping their social skills and it's helping them emotionally. It's helping uh, so many portions of their physical bodies, including even their eyesight and things like that. And so when we let our kids play simply um, Mm -hmm. and we don't even have to direct it, surprisingly, they get just so much out of it. And so it's sort of this message of hope and a message that you can sort of slow down and and still gain more Mm -hmm. through simple outdoor play. And so we are aiming to be outside for 1000 hours every year, which is sort of part of our family life. We even keep track of it. We have these free little tracker charts on our website, um, or we have an app that people use. And, and that's what we're shooting for. And it's in line with current research that talks about Three hours or so of outdoor play a day is ideal, Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously no one's life is ideal. So who can actually really get outside three hours every single day? So we have this sort of year-long goal. And there are families from all walks of life that have joined in, single moms, both dual working parents, stay-at-home moms, homeschooling families. and, And they're finding their unique way to make sure that their kids are getting what they need uh, through this outdoor play. Absolutely. And you said this, I think on the last episode that we recorded, but you said the average American child only gets four to seven minutes of free play outdoors a day, yet spends four to seven hours on screen devices each day. And you said that was in Scott Sampson's book, How to Raise a Wild Child. So that was something that motivated you to start this movement. And when I'm talking to you and we're just, all we're talking about is going outside and you say the concept is simple, but the execution is harder. And so yeah, it seems like it would be pretty straightforward. Oh, I just need to go outside. But yeah, in our day-to-day lives, that can be really hard to do. So I kind of just want to pick your brain and see how we can get ourselves outside dis- despite what kind of lifestyle we might have. Yeah. Well, I think that is the hardest part. The hardest part is making the time for it because yeah. it doesn't seem important. And because society at large maybe doesn't deem it important. And everyone in the neighborhood is involved in all these extracurriculars. And so maybe we feel that our kid will get left behind or not have enough learning opportunities or Mm. that type of thing. And so probably the hardest part is, is leaving space in your calendar, which is something that you talk about with minimalism Mm -hmm. and, you know, just not filling it all up. And so you know, really, I stumbled into this. It wasn't because I'm an expert or anything like that, but because I was doing it the other way, which was programs, 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 and they were expensive. But beyond that, they just were um, exhausting, you know, in a way that felt depleting and it didn't feel so enriching. And so 
if I can get the same benefits or possibly really even more benefits from mm-hmm. something that feels enriching to all of us mm-hmm. and, and we and we leave feeling sort of enlivened and refreshed, you know, I would I would rather go that route. And so, you know, learning that my kids are going to do better in a lifelong way because they've had this time outside playing and, and using their imagination and doing complex movements and, and using their fingers and fine motor skills and all these types of things. Mm -hmm. This is a, it's freeing because I like it too. And I feel better. And, um, I don't even know really how I ended up in this conversation right here. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. So you talk about, In your first two chapters, it's what are we going to do all day in the early years? So how would you encourage people that have that question? What do they do outside all day? And then for the early years, how can we make that happen? Because it seems like it can, that's trickier. Sure. Well, it's interesting. And I think you'll find, Diane, as your kids get older, it's it's trickier in different ways. So now that our kids are older, it's hard to find the time because they have their own ideas of what they want to do and who they want to see. And they have these, they have now opportunities coming in. So, you know, you have in your life, you have opportunities that sort of come into your house, right, that you can say yes or no to. And and it's just for you, you're figuring it out. But then all of a sudden you've got, you know, a child that's 10, 12, you know, 14, and they're, you know, they're getting invited to these different things and these different opportunities. And, mm-hmm. and so you're juggling a lot of that. So, you know, what do we do all day? My, my question was just in general, like, what are we going to do all day? You know, sure. um, if you're, if you're a stay at home parent uh, in particular, or on the weekends, you know, what are, how are we going to fill our time? But then when we go outside, I do think that there is this fear of mm-hmm. of what are the kids going to do and and there's a little bit of comfort when you go to an organized activity that you're not going to have to deal with that feeling of the uncomfortable feeling of like well what's going to happen and what if they're not happy and what if they're bored and what am I going to do but what happens is that kids find stuff to do and that was the thing that I wasn't expecting sometimes it takes a little longer than than we think it should. Uh, Angela Hanscom is an author. She wrote a book called Balanced and Barefoot. And she, and she's a pediatric occupational therapist. Her book is phenomenal. Uh, she she says it can take up to 45 minutes for kids to develop how they're going to play. You know, what characters are they going to be in? And how are they going to be imaginative? And so if we don't give them that full breadth of time, then then sometimes they don't land where they need to land. And mm-hmm. And we feel maybe like a failure or that type of thing. So just to know that sometimes it takes a while to figure out how they're going to play. I think for me, the easiest thing was to go on a short hike, you know, because then there is kind of a little bit of structure. There's a beginning, there's an end. And what happens is you see how kids get engaged in their environment and they find things that are interesting to them and they sort of lead the way in that. And and all of those things are so important. I mean, they do the silliest, what seems to be the silliest things outside, right? They Mm -hmm. might sit and play with a stick and and dig around in the dirt or they might, well, we were, we were somewhere just recently and and there was this little boy, probably similar in age to your little one, like three, Mm -hmm. you know, just like watching a ladybug, you know, just for a really long time watching the ladybug. And I guess it doesn't seem as important as maybe like teaching a foreign language or something like that. But, but there is a lot of importance in learning how to have focused attention and finding wonder in mm-hmm. small things and, and that type of thing. So it's one of those things that I think you just have to try. 
Mm-hmm. That's sort of how it was for me. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, go outside for, for three hours, for four hours. Like, well, what? that's not going to work. You yeah. know, that's kind of what, that's what I thought. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way that's going to work. And then it did work and it worked way more beautifully than I could have imagined. And it continues to work. I think that's another thing you and I had talked about, you know, change. Yeah. Right. That change is a change is a constant part of parenting. And what I have found so soothing is that nature time still works as a solution for many things all the way through. So I haven't had to change that. You have to change a lot, but you don't have to change that. It still works, you know, sort of no matter the age and stage that your kids are at. So uh, they find what they're going to do all day. And, and those periods of time when they're bored are so good for them. I'm thinking about a couple of things. One is I feel like you've really encouraged me to allow my little ones to take more risks when they're outside. Even if that means, I mean, I'm not, it's all, there's boundaries set around it. I don't want them to get extremely hurt, but allowing them to know their own balance and to know their own limits and to kind of guide them through that. But I'm also wondering what it looks like as they get older, because chapter three of your book, it talks about the building blocks of a robust brain. I'm trying to cultivate that right now on my little ones. But what does that look like for you now? Because you have these older kids. What does it look like for them to go outside? And how do you still allow them to build their brain in that way? It's really neat to see, Diane, that it continues to work. You know, so when they're little, they're doing these things. And, And on the concept of risk, the... I think that this is actually super interesting. The risk is um, a, a very quick calculation. I mean, so fast you don't even know, but it's this calculation of how dangerous is it? How, how hurt could I get? You know, how hurt could I get in combination with how likely is that to happen? And so as a, as a parent, when we have really young kids and they don't know how hurt they could get, that's when we have to step in and intervene. You know, we don't, we wouldn't let a two-year-old play by open water because how hurt could they get extremely, you know, and how likely is it extremely, you know, but if they're, if they're crawling over a fallen log, well, how hurt they could, they they could fall, they could fall on their face, they could get scraped. How likely is it, you know, maybe fairly high, Mm -hmm. um, but that's a really different scenario. Or people talk about catastrophic falls, you know, how high can they go? And, and as a parent, that is where you step in. Um, and help them to learn risk assessment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the smaller things, I think they learn through sort of the bumps and bruises. But as they get older, so for the early years, we did a lot of going to sort of, I don't know, I call them the right places. Like, Uh um, you know, places that weren't near a main road, places where we could kind of be off the beaten path, places where there was a half mile hike, Mm -hmm. places where there was a volleyball court with sand and the kids could dig, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's no one there or, mm-hmm. or things like that. So when they were little and we'd go with friends and um, we almost always went with friends cause it was just easier and it's more enjoyable for me too. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, you know, my kids will take, they take a speaker outside and they shoot baskets, mm-hmm. you know, for a really long time. And that's complex movement and, and mm-hmm. that's getting them moving and moving their lymphatic system and they're learning new skills and they still like to hike. But when we hike now, you know, they can jump off the cliff down to the water below. It's really neat. 
actually. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not what I was expecting that there is kind of this huge payoff. You know, now they can carry stuff. It, it's bizarre. You know, so I went from carrying two kids plus pushing a stroller with all the stuff and a kid standing on the front of the stroller, sit on the little backboard of the stroller. And there's a kid on the front of the, and then there's still one extra kid, you mm-hmm. know, and you know, you go from that to they're carrying all the things and they've got their own water and they've got their own backpack and they have stamina. And so you can go see these really beautiful places mm-hmm. that maybe you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. And w- what a neat thing that it grows with your family. Yeah. And so I, that's what I would encourage parents with young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. You know, you got your baby. So I would, we took a, pic- a picnic blanket. We try and take a thicker picnic blanket when we had little ones we'd set up in the shade yeah in the summer and the baby I think the babies really liked it they like seeing the trees move and it's like real life 3d television right I mean they got birds and squirrels and sounds and there's lots of things to touch and then it grows with them absolutely we talked earlier about on on your podcast we talked about keeping small things small and that basically means to pick your battles, choose your battles. Um, and not everything needs to be a big deal. And I think about that when applying to our time in nature last week, it was really rainy here in Columbus. And so I knew for nature group day that it was probably going to be extremely muddy, but I told myself that before going into, into nature that day. And I was like, whatever, if the boys get muddy, we can just strip them down into their underwear and their diaper and it'll be totally fine. But all that to say, I wasn't going to fight the battle of, oh, you're muddy right now. And I don't want you to play in the mud because there was no reason to go out in nature that day. If I, if I was concerned about that, but also mud washes off and memories last forever. So I guess I want to know more about your thought in regard. Like, do you feel the same way that we need? Yes. I mean, we came home so many times in diapers, you know, I think the sensory experiences too are really good for them. So, you know, we would keep some changes of clothes on hand and then, you know, sometimes I wouldn't have the right size and, you know, the, the little one ends up in his sister's clothes. That's all we have. Or like you said, they're just in a diaper and, and, and truly, Sometimes we would get home after my husband got home from work because everyone's engaged outside. And he would say, I, you know, I didn't think you could bring them home dirtier than last time, <laughs> you know, but some, and then you just, they, you pop them in the bath, you know, yeah. or, or they play outside in the hose before they come in or that type of thing. And you wash the clothes, maybe have a couple that are set aside for play clothes because uh, there's maybe sometimes no salvaging, but, yeah. um, but then they grow out of those clothes. I mean, and that is even a thing too. I would imagine with minimalism, you know, you have like when we go camping, I really like it. Like everyone has a couple outfits and that's what Mm -hmm. we have and that's what they're going to wear. And so in your home, you know, I have friends that say, look, they're going to grow out of these clothes in six months. Like wear them, have them wear their fun, cute clothes. You know, you're going on a hike, get your cute pictures. You don't just save it, you know, and I, and I like that. Yeah. I I don't know. I think we just have to take the pressure off ourselves that it has to be perfect or we do have to keep these perfect clothes perfect because it's just not, it's not sustainable. It's not realistic. It makes us more stressed out. And when there are battles that I have to fight, quote unquote, I don't need to worry about mud or that they are getting a little bit dirty. That's just something that I need to not have my focus on. So getting into nature has helped me be a lot freer of a parent. I also want to talk about in your book, you talk about emotional intelligence and how that can be built in nature. And I want to know how has that turned out, I guess, for you building that young to early tweens. 
Yeah, you know, they still play, which is uh, really neat to see. You don't know what to expect, right? What's coming down the road. And I used to kind of feel like that, like, oh, you know, this is only just for such a short period of time. But we were at a playground just recently, and there was kids all the way through high school there, one of those kind of bigger wooden playgrounds, and they're all playing tag, all of them. You know, all the way up, they look like grown men, you know, some of these, you know, grown men and grown women. They're, you know, high schoolers and down to middle schoolers. They're all playing tag and, and they're climbing in different ways, right? So it's big, big structures. And, and so they're doing really cool, challenging things with their bodies and they're just playing in a different way. You know, so what I see is that if we continue to hold that space for children, you know, they, they figure out what to do with it. And so sometimes it looks like they're all sitting around in a circle talking, you know, but they're outside and, and no one's on a screen and they're having these social interactions. And what I've found is that when we meet up with families, so like you and I can meet up, right? We're not that far from each other. And I'm starting to more and more meet up with these other families. And so it enhances their lives because they can form deep relationships fairly quickly, um, I'm noticing. So that's been a really neat thing to see, another neat outcome. Your next chapter is about stress and how being in nature is a stress reliever. And I find that for myself, when I have alone time, it's usually what I'm doing. Because usually I don't have a ton of alone time. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to get my 45-minute walk-in outside. And we have a really cool park at the end of our street. So how have you maintained that? And do you still find joy in going outside by yourself, even now? Yeah, I find a lot of joy in it. We're in... um you know, it's like the start of the gardening season. And so Mm -hmm. I have a little greenhouse outside. I got it last year. It's like one of my favorite things. And because we're in an old farmhouse, actually, we moved here. It's dark. It's really dark in our house, actually, for the most part. And so I like starting seeds. I started doing that a couple years ago. And there wasn't really a good place to start seeds because it's so dark. There's like a porch and there's not much light getting in. And so we got this little greenhouse last year. And so in the morning, all the way from from April through October, you know, in the morning, getting out with the garden is part of my daily routine. So you're going in, you know, we're going and checking on and the kids come with and we're checking on the sprouts and, you know, sometimes they meander off and do other things. But then we're checking once we plant in the ground, we're checking for watermelons and it's really exciting and it gives sort of this rhythm and structure to the day. And it feels different. It feels different when you start with that sunshine and a little bit of fresh air and and it's not screens and it's just real life and it's enjoyable and thrilling and all of those types of things. So mm-hmm. I um I don't get out much on my own even still. I'm usually with the kids, but even when I'm with the kids outdoors, that helps bring my blood pressure down. Yeah. And you know, that's what I was finding. Like before we started doing things outside, it was like my blood pressure is rising, 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 rising all day. You Mm -hmm. know, you're trying to be patient and you're trying to take deep breaths and you're trying to deal with like all these little interpersonal conflicts that are coming up and all these needs and your blood pressure is going up, 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 up. And there's, there's nothing to bring it back down. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you're the, if you're that sole parent that's with the children, there's no reprieve. You know, unless maybe you throw them in front of a cartoon for 20 minutes, but then afterward you're dealing with the aftermath because they don't want to turn it off. That's how it was in my house. There wasn't a way for me to naturally, and my kids never napped at the same time. Mm -hmm. So the only way for me to bring my blood pressure down was to like put in the effort, which was a lot of effort. But as soon as we got somewhere, I felt better almost immediately. It's like it like melted away Mm -hmm. and I still feel the same way. 
you know, you step outside and things seem to melt away a little bit and, um, and it gives you a little bit of life, like, you know, in the fall here, like that kind of cold air, it wakes you up and it does a lot for your soul. Yeah. You talk about in the next chapter, chapter six, enhancing your health outdoors. And I think about that a lot and just getting light first thing in the morning. I was watching a friend's chickens for five days and her bunnies and her dog, and they have a beautiful property. And so even on those cold days, those cold mornings, I had to get up and go let the chickens out. And it was a slight struggle, but once I was outside, it was just, yeah, it really changed my mood. And I felt so good for the rest of the day after having been outside and the first thing in the morning. And so we underestimate the power of it. And there's so many books written on this. I really enjoyed the nature fix. I oh, I've got that one. But I mean, there is scientific research behind all of there this. There absolutely is. Sure. So, um, what are other, like, how have you seen it in other areas enhance your health? Well, our kids, I mean, we've, we've not had a doctor's appointment, you know, for any acute type of illness since we started getting outside back in 2011. So it's been over a decade and then our kids were getting sick a fair amount beforehand. So, you know, I can see the before and the after. So health from that aspect and then, you know, mental health, I think is a huge one as well. Um, Especially right now, I think a lot of people are struggling with mental health. So there's that piece of it, you know, the physical benefits, they include eyesight, you know, they include sleep because when you get out in the morning, the sunlight uh, causes your body to re- release serotonin. And then the serotonin is what turns into melatonin at night. And so, you know, like if you're out all day, you're tired, you know, and, and it's that good kind of tired uh, where you're going to fall asleep and have a really good night's rest. And that's the same for us. It's the same for our kids. Um, you know, we have, bodily functions, over a hundred of them that are tied to the day and night cycle. And so like when you say you get out with the chickens or you get out for your garden, you know, if you just had a simple pot on your porch, like if you had a porch or patio, if you live in an apartment, um, you know, and you have a couple tomato plants out there, or you have some flowers out there or different things. And so you have to get out in the morning to give them a little water and you need to do it in the evening as well. And you, and you check on them, you know, it gives your life this sort of beautiful routine wrapped up in nature experiences and full spectrum light. And, um, I like what you said, we underestimate how much it does for us. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to have these little reminders, I think. Yeah, absolutely. One of the last things I want to talk about is this idea that the the chapter of your Chapter seven is called let's stop stealing time from children. And do you feel like that's a controversial thing to say? Um, I don't know. You know, I think, I think actually it really resonates with people mm-hmm. uh, when, no, you I agree. Put it that, when you put it that way. I, um, it was a title of a blog post I wrote a really long time ago and it got a lot of attention and, and I would say almost primarily positive attention because when you look at it that way, that we all deserve time, mm-hmm. we all deserve time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we know now as moms that mm-hmm. we don't get very much, you know, so I've got these older kids now, right? So we don't even have like that, you know, eight to midnight time slot anymore. We, you know, we don't have that. And, um, you know, and the day to day is a little less harried because our kids are older and, and can do a lot of things on their own. But you know, we don't have any of those expanses of time really anymore. And, and so you only really get it when you're a kid, mm-hmm. 
that's when you get it. And and I don't know, maybe if it comes back around when you're a grandparent, I don't know yet. I should ask my mom or my mother-in-law, you know, they seem to have a little bit more free time, but right now, you know, you have nothing. And so I'm really thankful. I'm thankful for my childhood years when I got to read books that I loved and I, and I liked to play the piano and I had time to do that. And I liked to bike in the neighborhood and I liked to shoot basket, you know, uh, shoot basketballs. And, um, you know, I, I really, uh, feel like those things help me thrive as a person. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you hit adulthood, you just don't have those expanses anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think in the name of trying to do it right, I, I think the intentionality is there. We fill it up yeah. because we want to give them the best leg up for their future. It's not, I, it's not done with it with ill intention. Mm-hmm. Um, But like you say, when you really look at what the research shows, it shows that what really sets our kids up for the best, you know, possible uh, future success is to let them play and to Mm -hmm. figure out how to manage their own time Mm -hmm. and uh, to be creative and that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, let's stop stealing time from children because we are we are taking it. And and I think. So my midwife said, and this was a while ago, but she said, one day our kids might ask us, you know, they might ask us why, you know, why do we give them the screen so young or why don't we have any boundaries for them? And I always made me think, you know, that, you know, in the moment, maybe, you know, they're bugging for it, bugging for it, bugging for it. And so, and so that's what we do. But in the long run, I think they really value having that time uh, to learn to become themselves. So. That's always made me think, you know, long term, um, you know, how are they going to look back and view their childhood? And and we have to be the ones that protect it now, which is really hard. Uh, it's different than how things used to be where there wasn't TV options all day long and we didn't have tablets. And, you know, it's like the Nintendo came out in my childhood. So those weren't issues prior and so we have a big battle for us um, as parents. I think it's very hard, but I also think it's very worthwhile, you know, in the times if we can just have our resolve and and not always like, you know, you and I talked about this. It's like, you know, sometimes we're really under-resourced and sometimes we need to have the screen time and, and that's the best option that's possible. And that's the best option that's available. But I think knowing for me, knowing that boredom is such a gift for them. It helps me in the times when I don't have to use the screen to try and dive into something else. Absolutely. And I asked if it was controversial because I think sometimes I feel like I apologize to my friends that have, well, we decided to homeschool this year. And this was a huge reason why it's because I just wanted to do things a little bit differently. And the, and I have many thoughts about public school in regards to, I think we do need more outside time. And I do think that we need more playtime. I also understand the liability element there. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like sometimes to my family members or my friends that have chosen public school that I'm offending them when I say these things, but I think that it's also just an encouragement to the time that you do have with your kiddos because all of our choices are going to look different, but to give them that time when we have the time to do so. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. And I think that is the point. And I do talk about that in the book that everyone's situation is different. And so we're trying to make the best choice for the time 
when we're able to make the choice. We're not always able to make the choice. You know, maybe there's therapy, there's therapy appointments, there's, you know, there's bills that are due. Life is really hard, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's, you know, maybe we live in a place that's not safe for our kids to go out and play on their own, or even with us, maybe, and maybe we don't have transportation to a place that's better. And so there's already enough to feel guilty about, and there's already enough to feel like, you know, we're not worthy or, or we're missing the boat. But the point is, is really that sometimes this route of just, it seems like the lazy route, mm-hmm. you know, which is not entertaining them all the time. And it's not putting them in all of the activities. And so we feel like that's detrimental, but really, uh, that's one of the best things that we can do for them. And so that's just a little bit of encouragement. And so maybe it's not even outside play, you know, maybe outside isn't an option, but it's a little bit more inside play, or it's a little bit less of things that are prescribed and adult directed. Mm-hmm. And that's going to help them thrive. And so knowing that, I think takes the pressure off a little bit. Absolutely. Well, Jenny, your book is so great. And like I told you, I think that sometimes we can think that we know it all in regards to some of this stuff, but your book was so rich and so full of information that I hadn't heard before that was just met me where I was. So I highly recommend people finding it, but where can people connect with you online and all the fun stuff about you? (laughs) So the best thing about this, Diane, is that no one even knows about this book at all, except for a few couple people. I am, um, I am keynoting at a conference and it is actually a homeschool conference Ah. in May um, at the end of May in, in Florida. And, um, you know, so really wanted to have a book ready for that because I speak at a lot of conferences and a lot of parents are like, I want to know more. And I, you know, I didn't have a book. And so this book will be debuting there um, and then should be for sale in June. And it's called 1000 Hours Outside. That's what it's called. Uh, Prioritize nature, reclaim childhood and experience a fuller life. And so if people are on my email list, or if they're following along anywhere on social media, I'll be posting that somewhat soon, probably in the middle of May, or so with a little bit more information about where people can get it. You were actually the first one that read it, which is so, you know, outside of like, family, you know, so that's so cool. Um, It's really actually need to be talking about it. And, and I'm excited how it turned out. And I hope that it helps families not feel guilty, but feel very empowered to just allow a little bit more space into their lives, both for their children and for them as well. I feel like it's actually a really good baby shower gift. Throw it in there mm-hmm. with some diapers. I mean, this is a really yeah. great foundation to set for people as they enter parenthood. Yeah. So that's going to be yeah. my go-to. Well, anyways, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is a resource that has been really beneficial to you that you'd like to share with the listeners? Okay. I've been reading this book called Humans Need Not Apply uh, by Jerry Kaplan. And um, I've been reading a little bit about like what's coming, like what's coming in the future of jobs. And so his book is about artificial intelligence and the changing of the job markets. Um, so I don't know if that's a good answer or not, but it's sort of been this topic that's kind of intriguing me in having kids, especially that are teenagers and mm-hmm. preparing them for what's to come. And it's really, really driving me into this play. Like we have to, we have to separate ourselves from machines and mm-hmm. what does that it's our imagination. It's, it's our ability to create something out of nothing. So that's what I've been reading lately. It's kind of a, a funny book, but, um, 
I don't know. It's not a funny book. It's yeah. not a funny book. It, it's uh, a funny thing to be reading about <laughs> or just kind of off the beaten path. But I'm kind of finding that fascinating and just looking to prepare our kids for what's coming. So AI is fascinating to me and also equally terrifying. So I'm very interested in reading that, but readers beware. It is. It's kind of terrifying, but also I'm kind of glad to know about it a little bit. So it's just talking about how, well, we had Kim John Payne on our podcast and he said, and he wrote a book called Simplicity Parenting, which is so in line with so much of the things that you talk about. And he's, he's talks about, you know, decluttering and not having so many toys, but he said that by 2035, so we're talking in just over a decade that three out of four jobs will be geared toward entrepreneurs. And the way that we set our kids up for that um, is by allowing them space in their lives. And so that was, was really fascinating to me. So that has sent me down this path of of starting to research, like what really is coming. And, you know, I mean, so in, in 10 years, you know, our, our older kids will be in the middle of their 20s. And so trying to figure out what life might look like for them and, and how to best prepare them. Absolutely. All right. My last question for you is what is something I guess we should Hi. tell we should tell listeners that Hi, Benji. for the last Hi. question Benjamin has joined Hi. us. Hi, do you have a triangle? Do you no, have an orange Bobby. triangle? No. Yeah. Okay. And then my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Zinnias. <laughs> do you plant those? They're like the best ever. So I don't know. I didn't grow up gardening, and um, but my parents did. So, I mean, I don't know. They they taught me. I just didn't, like, latch on. But a couple years back, I fell in love with Sharon Lovejoy, who has these really cool gardening books for, for kids and for families. The best one, I think, is called Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots. And it is just, like, the most whimsical book that draws you in and, like, oh, I want to try it. And so... I have fallen in love with planting flowers. I cannot tell you how much joy they bring. You know, you buy a pack of seeds for $1.99 and from March until October, you've got sprouts, you've got blooms and they bloom here in Michigan. I mean, all the way through till that first frost. And then all summer long, I take bouquets to my friends and I go to the dollar store and get a bunch of just vases and I take bouquets. Like anything we go to, I can go out to my garden and cut a bunch of flowers. And so I always tell everyone, like just get one pack of zinnia seeds. Uh, there's so many cool varieties um, and you can put them in a pot on your porch or anything and they bring a lot of joy. That's awesome. Yeah. We just built, well, not me, my husband, he built one of those raised garden beds and it was going to be $400 and he was able to find wood and buy it for a hundred. So, wow. Good for you. Sharon says, even if only one thing grows, it's worth it. And I think that's true. A hundred percent. I'll have to go find that book and grab some zinnias, but thank you so much for your time today. This was an awesome conversation and I just thank so enjoy following you and everything you have to share with us. So thank you. Aww. Thanks, Diane. I always love connecting and hopefully we'll get to connect in person one of these days. I know. What did you think of the episode? I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.